over the years, I think every church I've visited, and certainly the four that I've been minister of, have always tried to pride themselves on the ability to lay on a good burnt fight. You know, it might be a buffet, it might be a sit-down meal, but it's something that feeds the stomach and we feel, wow, that was great, wasn't it? And it's not just the feeding of the stomach. It's also a time of feeding each other, a bit of social interaction, a bit of encouragement, a bit of fellowship. The passage today might suggest to us that the early church was no different. You know, they liked to share a meal and have fellowship with one another. In fact, we quite often hear about how all the believers gather in one place in the early church. Uh, we would partly be right in thinking that. I mean, we, we heard in the passage there about how they um, are gathering and that there's a, a meal being shared. Um, that there, there's something more going on. The The meal in our passage today is, is, is not simply a Sunday lunch, um, but it's uh, part of the missional life of the church. It's not just for a time of fellowship, it's because of those in great need. We've heard in recent weeks how the, the members of the early church might um, be together and offer what they had for a shared common purpose. How they might even sell their land and use that. They, they would give it uh, into the common good, giving the whole proceedings to the church. What we see here in our passage today is some of those resources being used how uh, the gathered resources are being used to feed the widows of the fellowship. Those who were the poorest in the church community were having their needs met. Or, as it's reported here, some of them weren't having their needs met. Because there was a bit of disagreement going on. Now, it seems it doesn't say that uh, all were present at the feast, nor is the distribution of food about elders distributing bread at communion, even if over the years that's how we sometimes might actually use the passage to promote the role of eldership or the idea of different calls. What's supposed to be happening here is Christian love, and what is happening at the start of the passage is the early church failing to function as it should. There's failing to be love. And there needs to be a way of addressing that. We know things are not well because the those that are referred to in, in the Life Application Bible as the, the Greek speakers, the, the Hellenistic uh, of the church, are grumbling about the Aramaic and Hebrew speakers, the Hebraic of the church. The way it is presented suggests that the Hebraic are actually doing the work of sharing to those in need. But actually the Hellenistic, the ones that are grumbling, uh, feel that their community's widows are deliberately missing out. And that's why they raise the objections with the apostles. 
Now, presumably, if the Hellenistic were actually present at the time of the distribution, if they were engaged in it, then the food would be getting shared, wouldn't it? The widows that they feel connected to would be getting the food that they need. That's if the Hellenistic were actually pulling their weight without leaving it to the rest of the church. Maybe they themselves should already be feeding the widows without relying on the church. The Hebraic Jewish followers of Jesus are the, therefore perhaps being hard done by here. And the Hellenistic ones could resolve the issue, but instead they grumble. Now, we don't know if those complaints have actually justified. The way it's worded suggests that they might be, but they might not be. But what we do certainly see, and what we can take notice of, that the members of the early church are already seeing themselves as us and them. The, the, they're splitting in some way. They need joining back together. They need to understand that they are all believers of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is really before we have much in the way of Gentiles in the fellowship. The Life Application Bible referred there to, to one of them as being a, a convert to the Christian faith. He was a convert to the Jewish faith. All these people are described as being Jews. And although they've, all these Jews have become followers of Jesus, uh, that conversion first to Judaism came. So all these folk have an element of Jewish heritage in them, uh, although some might be converts. So they're all Jews, and yet they're falling apart in relationship within the early church. Now, every church has people who crumble. And those are often people that should know better, people that are well established in the church, people that know how the church works, people that should be playing an active part in the life of the church, people that should know better. And if they were to take a step back and to look with a wider view, they maybe wouldn't be because they would see why the thing they moan about is not happening. Often the thing that is moaned about physically cannot happen or although it could happen it would divert attention from something that is already happening or something that is being planned and there's only a limited amount of resources to go around. Sometimes it's actually a problem of that grumbling person's making in the first place. 
I wonder, do you encourage people to grow in faith if you spend your time moaning, crumbling, gossiping, or undermining the leadership of the church? Of course you don't. And that was holding the early church back. That was the problem that was facing them. Now, apostles feel they need to do something about the crumbles. And so we get to the choosing of the seven. But think of how it takes place. It is either the apostles being incredibly spiritually wise, or it is a distinct case of the sloping shoulders on behalf of the apostles. I'm not quite sure which. They chat among themselves, but they don't actually seem to pray. And then they turn round and say to the church, nothing to do with me, mate. Sort it out yourselves. The apostles chose to identify purely with preaching and prayer. In the NIV, the phrase that they use is about waiting on tables. Oh, waiting on tables. That's nothing to do with us. It's a role that is actually somewhere between the practical pastoral care and mission. And the apostles are saying, oh, that's not our job. That they even refer to the hungry being fed in this way suggests that they've missed out on something of Jesus' teaching of what the coming kingdom is like. Good news to the poor. Not to mention Jesus' feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000, the washing of the disciples' feet. Things that Jesus took time to do, along with the many miracles of healing. The apostles are called to model this, to be disciples of Jesus and encourage disciples in the world. Now, what they're called to do is far more than prayer and ministry of the word, far more than prayer, preaching and teaching. And they seem to recognise that they do have some form of responsibility because when the seven are chosen, the apostles pray and lay hands on them, commissioning them to the role, saying that they've had some sort of responsibility for that purpose. The problem, as I see it, though, is that the apostles, like every single one of us, are called to be disciples who make disciples in that great commission of Matthew 28. But they also have a personal calling too. The apostles have a responsibility, they have gifts, they have callings, but that does not preclude them from that calling which is upon every single follower of Jesus. Whether you are called to a particular role in the church, to be a minister, to be an elder, to be a worship leader, to be a children's worker, to be a youth pastor. Whatever you're called to in that way, we're all the entire congregation, even in our unphysically gathered together state as we currently are at the moment, we're all called to be people who make new disciples. 
I want you to think about what your call might be. Your call, be it to be the distribution of food or to be the one that preaches or, or those aspects, what is your place in the church as well as that actual call that is upon every single one of you and whether you respond to that call that's upon the whole church. When the grumbling stopped, when the widows were being fed, when there wasn't so much division, when God's love was seen to be in the hearts of the fellowship, then we see the church growing as the word is spread wider. That's how the passage ends, isn't it? With the church growing. And it grows because the grumbling has stopped and the division has stopped. And then we hear that even many of the priests are coming to be followers of Jesus. May we answer our call to be who God wants us to be. May we serve his purpose and share his love in all the different ways we are asked to.